Hey, once again, we welcome you to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. And we're pleased to start out today introducing you to Patrick Hines. Patrick, did I get your last name correct? Yes, he did. Okay, I meant to ask you that. Before we jumped on the air, Patrick Hines joins us. He is a Young Voices contributor, and you wear a couple of other hats in addition to this. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, yeah, I've uh, been with Young Voices since, I think, June. Um, I also work at the American Conservation Coalition Um where we're trying to rally young people and, and also, you know, people on Capitol Hill or congressmen to um, for conservatives to really rally around uh, climate change. And, and since there's kind of a, a shift from the climate denial of the um, Republican Party kind of faction to accepting these and knowing that there are market based solutions that aren't coming from the left. We're trying to rally people around that. So um, I work with them and I'm also involved in the Libertarian Party. I'm a Libertarian Party chair here in D.C. and I uh, ran for Congress last year um, unsuccessfully in D.C., but that's that's being a Libertarian in D.C. I almost feel like I should congratulate you, though, for for not being elected to Congress just because it seems like so many of the troubles yeah. seem to originate from Congress. I think you would have been a good influence, but I'm, I'm highly critical of them. Yep. Let's talk about uh, particularly nuclear power. I'm looking at an article of yours published on realclearpolicy.com. Democrats fight against nuclear power jeopardizes emissions goals. And uh, help me understand, um, Patrick, are, are, are Republicans generally more open to the idea of, of nuclear power? I know the Democrats have pretty much, uh, as long as I can remember, have been against it. Do, do their political counterparts uh, tend to be more supportive of, of nuclear power? Yes, Republicans have generally been for nuclear power. Um, unfortunately, they haven't been very successful in kind of defending the, I would say, war on nuclear power by, by certain Democrats. And let me say this. Democrats um, these days, actually, a lot of them have good language. The Biden administration has good language on nuclear power. Um, their actions don't always follow that language. So that that can be an issue. But their um, Republicans have been better. Certain Democrats, and, and as I go into my article, uh, kind of the the uh, main villains of the Democrats, right? The Cuomo's, the Newsom's, Jerry Brown's, John Kerry's, they've all kind of um, launched this war through regulation and litigation against nuclear power. And this is going back to the 70s, where, um, you know, they've distorted the market so much that it's really tough for um, our current nuclear power fleet to just stay open. So we're facing mass closure. I think half of our nuclear fleet is supposed to close by 2030 unless there's some sort of major policy shift. So um, that's kind of the the landscape of, uh, uh, of Democrats and Republicans right now with nuclear. Historically, what what is the justification given for why Democrats have been so against nuclear power? I, I remember Three Mile Island, and uh, I want to say that that happened during um, Jimmy Carter's presidency. And I remember distinctly how we were all you know told, "See, see, this is how dangerous you know nuclear power is." But I think in the grand scheme of things, it's actually proven itself to be quite safe. Why do Democrats hate nuclear power as well as fossil fuels? 
Yeah. So, I mean, understandably, right. That was, that's three mile Island. If you're living in that, that's scary. You hear this, your radiation gets is, is uh, seeping from this nuclear plant. And in reality, nobody died from three mile Island. Nobody had adverse health effects, no cancer, anything. Basically what happened is kind of the, um, the understanding of the radiation amounts that seeped from, you know, the three accidents, Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, and Fukushima, was massively misunderstood. So, like, unless you were, for example, in Chernobyl, 50 people died, and they were all um, people uh, that were, you know, trying to fan the flames, put, put, out, put out the fire. These are actual workers at the plants, right? Um, the... The, the uh, story that millions of people got radiation cancer um, and these mutant babies are in, you know, in the Ukraine now is just completely false. Um, so a lot of it was propaganda. Right. And and it's pretty new. I, I feel like the, the term nuclear is very powerful. Right. Like you just have to, um, you know, you just use the term nuclear and people just kind of step back and are scared so um there was a really effective campaign launched by i would say sierra club and then in conjunction with the jane fonda's um hollywood activists and then ralph nader and so there's this huge anti-nuclear um campaign that used these democrats to to basically shut down any and there hasn't been there's been one nuclear plant const- constructed since three mile island so they've They've been successful. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of this was based on false propaganda. So that's that's where the issue is. OK, <clears throat> talk to me about uh, about uh, the emissions goals that have been set and, and how the Democrats fighting against nuclear power actually puts those emission goals in jeopardy. Yeah, so. Um, I mean, emissions goals are, are it's what we should be doing. Right. Um, but. Um, it's kind of hypocritical when nuclear power is by far the largest, most producing form of clean energy um, in this country. And they're basically just, they're making these goals a lot harder to, to um, realize. And for example, in, in New York, Cuomo shut down Indian point power plant um, in the last two years and their electricity grid, um, got 46% dirtier. So they, their um, electricity grid was 46% more carbon intensive. So um, they're emitting more CO2 now than they were two years ago. So they're going in the exact opposite direction. And they handcuffed themselves to even stricter emissions goals, right? And um, we're seeing this in, if you look at Germany, Germany abandoned nuclear 10 years ago. Now, coal is is actually the largest source of energy in Germany, and it's the dirtiest, um, dirtiest country in uh, Europe in terms of uh, emissions. And it has by far the priciest electricity. And um, that's a direct result of abandoning abandoning nuclear. If you look at France there, they have um, around 70 percent nuclear and they are they have the cheapest electricity and the cleanest air. So, you know, those are kind of our two options right now. And with these, you know, half the nuclear uh, plant fleet um, closing, um, that's kind of what it's looking like. We're, we're going down that road. 
So um, I think we need to look at this uh, very seriously right now. Interestingly, a couple of years ago, I was in Germany for Christmas. I've never seen more wind turbines in my life. And I was up on the north coast, and so there was a lot of, there were offshore turbines, but it seemed like if you traveled at night, everywhere you looked, there were blinking lights of these great big turbines. Does wind power account for for much of of any of Germany's uh, power generation? Yeah, I mean, they put, they they invested heavily in wind, but what happened this year, actually, um, there's about 20% less wind, right? Like across the world, it was hot. It was a hotter summer, uh, a little drier. And so there was 20% less wind this year. So now, and that's why they had to import so much coal and gas from, from Russia, right? And, and because of that, um, because of that, uh, the, you know, the wind power that they promised their people isn't performing. And so now they're using coal, which is the worst possible option. I was going to say for, from the cleanest to the, to the least clean, um, talk yeah. to me, talk to me about fossil fuel though. Um, obviously, you know, fossil fuels still are, are playing some role, um, is, is there is there hope for um, safer, cleaner nuclear power? For instance, I've heard of uh, like uh, thorium uh, reactors or yeah. molten sodium reactors. Do those show any promise, or is there just too much regulatory mess to work through? Well, I mean, if we if we can cut some of the red tape, that'll be easier. But um, I mean, I think uh, natural gas is it's been great for our, our transition to get emissions down. We have gotten emissions down largely to natural gas, but it needs to be a mix and. You know, some countries should be able to use coal, right? Some countries are in that developing phase, right? And and they need that real cheap uh, source of energy. But us as America, a leader in the world, we should transition. Um, we should be a little more responsible. And nuclear kind of hits, checks all the boxes. It's clean. It's abundant. Um, it's power dense. Um, and it can be cheap. If we um, keep these plants open and scale it and cut that red tape, cut that regulation. Okay, we're down to about our last 30 seconds here. If people want to become better informed on this subject, what uh, what are some of the sources or directions that you would point them? Uh, Yeah, well, I would um, follow us at American Conservation Coalition. We do a lot of work on on nuclear and uh, you can find me on Twitter at. Uh, Patrick Hines, D.C., um, and I'm I'm tweeting about nuclear all the time, and, and I'll be writing about it more and more. Okay, I'm making a note to myself. Got to follow Patrick so I can I can stay up to date on this. Thank you so much for being our guest for this first segment of Moving Forward with Young Voices. All right, thank you so much. 